From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. Peak performance, ultra performer, top producer. These are terms that we talk about, our guests seem to talk about. We share this idea of just sorts of sort of maximizing your potential or reaching the pinnacle of what's possible and pushing the limits. It's been a, a real consistent theme here on the show. And today we are talking with an MBA skills trainer named Alan Stein. So this is somebody who works with professional athletes, prepares them physically, mentally for the game. Uh, he's got a business partner that he works with too, uh, but it's just Alan that's here today. But we're talking about that. I'm going to talk to Alan, interview and ask him about how do they prepare somebody for the NBA. And then afterwards, I'm going to draw this parallel and connection, something that we've never really talked about on this show. I'm going to introduce to you what is called the Habits Triangle. It is, it's part of the secret sauce of Southwestern history. It's part of our magic methodology for how we've been around for 160 plus years. We take every coaching client through it, and I'm going to explain how it all fits together, this sort of process of creating ultra performance, um, and then also lay out for you sort of sequentially six steps for how this can happen and draw some parallels from what Alan was talking about. So it's a fantastic episode of applies to everybody and anybody who is trying to achieve the next level. I know you're going to love it. Don't miss out. Stay tuned. We'll get started just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales. But sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern Coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. Who we're talking to today is Alan Stein. He's been the director of performance for Pure Sweat Basketball uh, and basically for 15 years has been working with elite high school, college, uh, and MBA players for you know doing things for like the Nike Skills Academy, the McDonald's All-American Game, the Jordan Brand Classic, uh, you know, the NBA Players Association Top 100. And you know, that's what Pure Sweat does. And he has a business partner named Drew. And uh, Drew does a lot of the skill work with the players. And then Alan does a lot of the performance work, which we're going to talk about. He has since moved into sort of the speaking world and uh, and doing training and so forth. So we wanted to talk about the high performer, you know, the habits of high performers. So Alan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to a fun conversation. So uh, when you think about preparing somebody, you know, to compete in the MBA, I know one of the things that you talk about is this sort of like, um, pyramid concept. And, you know, I think that's, it's sort of a daunting task to go, wow, how do you prepare someone to compete in the MBA? And here you guys are, are, are working with those people or have been working with those people on a regular basis. And I think 
it, you, you, you talk about this uh, sort of pyramid that you, you guys work through. You mind sharing, sharing that with us? Absolutely. I mean, for the, for the players on court, for basketball players, in order for a player to be the best player that they're capable of, we look at four different components. Uh, the bottom of the pyramid, the base, the foundation for the whole thing happens to be my area of expertise, which is their body and improving their athleticism. Uh, improving their ability to move efficiently on the court uh, and to remain as injury-free as possible. Then we go one level up, uh, which is the area my business partner, Drew Hanlon, specializes in, which is skill acquisition. You know, it doesn't matter how athletic a player is. If they can't shoot, pass, rebound, defend, or handle the ball, then it really doesn't matter. Uh, Then we go up one more level and we start talking about the mind, uh, which is two separate areas we want to look at. One, We want to make sure a player has the mental toughness and fortitude uh, to compete every day, but we also want to make sure they have a very high basketball IQ, that they know how and when to use their skills and their athleticism to be as effective as possible. And then the apex of the pyramid is their heart. Uh, That's their grit, their passion, uh, you know, their motor, if you will. And and we found that when you can improve a player in those four distinct areas, uh, almost like you're putting together a jigsaw puzzle, uh, you'll create the best basketball player that they're capable of becoming. Mm hmm. So like, where do you start? So, so do you start at the bottom and sort of work your way up? Like, do you start with athleticism or do you kind of start working on all four, like at the same time or like, is it sequential or? It it is rather sequential. Now, when we say working on their strength and conditioning in their body, when most people hear strength and conditioning, they usually envision a player, you know, doing a bench press or have a barbell on their back and doing squats. That's not necessarily what we're talking about. We're talking about improving their coordination and their balance, uh, their motor control, their proprioception, just getting them in touch with their body. And uh, we do that with very young players. I mean, I'll do events that, that have kids that are seven or eight years old where we're teaching them movement patterns. You know, do they have rhythm and coordination in their feet and working on their footwork? So really just teaching them how to control their body. Because uh, as you can imagine, if a player can't control their body, if they can't start and stop and jump and land and move forwards and backwards, they're going to have a lot of difficulty doing fine motor skills like shooting and passing and ball handling. So yes, we address the body first and then we level up and we start teaching them the skills of the game. And that will be rudimentary skills. You know, here's how you make a bounce pass. Here's how you dribble between your legs. Then the next layer is the IQ portion, which is to teach them. So it's one thing to know how to make a bounce pass. It's another to know when to make a bounce pass. So how do they apply their skills and their athleticism? And then in in all honesty and in full humility and transparency, the top, the apex and the heart, that's the one I believe that we as coaches have the least impact on. That needs to come from the players. Now we can motivate we can inspire, uh, we can model the fact that, that we love what we do and we're passionate about coaching. Uh, but at the end of the day, a player has to want to be the best player that they're capable of. So when we get all the way to the top, that's almost when we pass the baton to the player and say, okay, now how bad do you want it? We've given you the raw materials and the tools to be as good as you can be. Now you need to actualize it. So do you think that the... Um you know, I mean, I think that gets to the question, which is relevant. Obviously, most of us listening here, we're not going to probably make us make a run at playing in the NBA. But that gets at the question of, you know, do you think ultra performers are made or are they born? Um, 
because I think there's a lot of parallels here, which is kind of what I thought would be interesting is, you know, competing and making it to the level of MBA is not, I mean, I would think there's a lot of parallels here to anything that we're doing. So do you, are you saying you think that they are, they are born more than they're made or like, what's your take on that? In, an, in, in the world of athleticism, you certainly have to be born with certain genetic predispositions that would give you the potential to compete at that level. Um, and, and here's what I tell young players all the time, and I, I say it with, with a friendly smile. Uh, if I'm talking to a group of young players, I'll say, every single one of you has the potential to make it to the NBA. However, less than half of a percent of you have the potential to make it as a player. Uh, and the point being that, you know, uh, most players that are using sports as a vehicle to learn life lessons, I mean, they can still make it to the NBA, but they'd have to make it as a coach or a referee or heck, maybe even as an owner or a general manager. So if their goal is to make their living in the game of basketball and be in the NBA, I want them to go after that with everything that they have. But the reality for most normal human beings is they weren't born with the athletic tools uh, to play in the NBA. And uh, I don't ever say that to discourage or diminish a player. I want them to go after that. I mean, shoot, I'm 41 years old. When I was eight, I thought I was going to play in the NBA and I went after it with everything I could. And and it just wasn't in the cards. But uh, so I, I don't want players to be discouraged from going from their for their goal. But you have to realize that a guy like a LeBron James or a Kevin Durant, those guys were born with certain tools that most people weren't born with. However, and this is a big however, that is not to take away from the work ethic and the habits and grit that players like LeBron and KD have. Just because they were born with some physical tools doesn't automatically give them the gold ticket to the NBA. You know, Kevin Durant's not the only 6'10 guy walking around. There's plenty of them who didn't actualize their potential, who didn't create habits, who didn't do the things that they needed to do. So uh, a guy like LeBron or KD was born with the raw materials to make it to that level. And yet they've worked incredibly hard, incredibly smart and with tremendous consistency in order to make that happen. So do you think that carries over to the corporate world? I mean, so, so well now, so the only thing is like, what about like Spud Webb, right? I mean, Spud Webb is from the maybe the eighties or nineties, like this tiny guy from the Atlanta Hawks and, and won the dunk contest. I mean, he was super small. I mean, he didn't have the, I, I mean, are there, I mean, there's people like that that sort of def, defy the, the physical tools or would you say, no, he had other physical tools that uh, enabled that to happen? It's a little bit of both. I mean, without question, he's the exception to the rule when you look at the average height of players in the NBA, but Spud Webb and Muggsy Bogues and Earl Boykins and some of the other players that were on the shorter side uh, certainly had so many other physical tools um, to allow them to be able to play at that level. You know, even a, take a player like Stephen Curry. I mean, he's one of the top players in the game, arguably the best shooter in the game. And when you just look at him, just standing there, he looks like a normal guy. He has a normal frame. I mean, he's a little bit taller than the average male, but you know, he, he you don't, he doesn't pass the eye test the way that a LeBron James does. However, when you really look at athleticism, I mean, Stephen Curry uh, was born with some some pretty good genetic hookups. I mean, his hand-eye coordination, his balance. I mean, he. we can't just look at height and one's ability to jump or run as the only barometers of athletic success. I mean, the, these guys can do so many other things. Steve Nash is another one. 
Steve Nash is one of my all-time favorite players. And most novice fans would not consider him a great athlete because he wasn't a high flyer or a dunker. Well, if you take all of the other areas of athleticism, his mobility, his reaction, his hand-eye coordination, his conditioning level, I mean, Steve Nash would rate off of the charts in those other areas. So even though Steve Nash may look like a normal guy and he's not winning dunk contests, he is in the upper, you know, 0.01 percentile of the human population when it comes to athleticism. And uh, so I, I think to answer your question, it is both. You know, certainly not every player that's currently on an NBA roster uh, was born with just unbelievable genetic gifts. Lots of people have been able to overcome certain deficiencies because they've had an exceptional skill. You know, I mean, if you can flat out shoot the ball, uh, that will make up for maybe a lack of some natural athleticism that you don't have. And and I would say the same is true for being a high performer in any vocation. I mean, uh, certainly if you're going to be a world-class singer, it would help for you to be born with the tools that would make it, you know, make you privy to being a world-class singer. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't be an incredibly successful salesperson or CEO or entrepreneur. So that's why I love the transition from sport to business um, because it's, less reliant on one's genetics and or athleticism. So, so basically, I mean, one, one interesting thing about what you said there is you said it is genetics, but it's not just the obvious. It's not just height or strength or, uh, you know, sp- speed or ability to jump. There's other things, balance, eye coordination, that, like reaction, you know, time, things that people don't think of. So I think that's powerful is to go, hey, just you know, don't, it's not just the surface things, but you know, there's other things, but it is still a part of it is innate. So when you make the transfer, when you look over then to the business world, do you think that that same rule applies that it's like, you know, to, 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 to compete at the highest level, I mean, to be a, a fortune 100 CEO, does, is there certain, uh, 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 a genetic predisposition that is necessary to make it to that level? Or are you saying in the business world, it's more of an equal playing field? I'm going to say it's both. And I don't say that to back out of an answer. I do think that there are some inherent traits that one can be born with that will improve their chances of being successful in that arena. Not everyone was born, you know, with the, with the academic IQ of a Warren Buffett or a Steve Jobs. You know, not everyone was born with the inherent leadership skills that some of the best leaders like a Coach K, uh, Duke basketball may have. So I do think there are certain traits and talents that one can be born with that will greatly increase their chances of being successful. But I also think a good portion of what's needed are skills and skills can be developed uh, and, and they're developed through repetition and through training and practicing with purpose. So I do believe it's both. Do I think every human being born has the potential to be a, a Fortune 100 CEO? No, I do not. Do I think a, a, a good portion of people can develop the skills that will put them in a position to be able to hold jobs like that? Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that's it's kind of a fascinating question to think about. So, so what about um, let's talk about the people who lack some of those deficiencies. And you see, okay, so you, like you mentioned, it, there, there's there are it, you can overcome some deficiency by sort of by something, right? Some people, some people do that. So in in the cases where you see that happen, perhaps maybe at the NBA and then also translating it, are there anything in common 
Is there anything in common in terms of maybe the habits that you see of the people who you go like on the surface, you go, gosh, that person doesn't really come off. Like you mentioned, Steve Nash doesn't look like they have the genetic predisposition to be doing what they're doing. Or in the business world, you go, gosh, that person doesn't really seem to have kind of like the natural charisma to be a great salesperson or a great leader. Um, but somehow they rise above that. Somehow they overcome that. Somehow they break they break through that. Um, are there any sort of commonalities that you would say you see in athletes that sort of get them over that hump? Yeah, there's two in particular that come to mind. Uh, one, it's the habits and mindsets, rituals, routines, and disciplines that they have during the unseen hours. It's, it's what they're doing when the proverbial cameras aren't on that, that really determines whether or not they'll be successful. Because at some level, we all have to appreciate the fact that our habits are a choice, you know, and our habits are what dictate whether or not we're successful in any endeavor. Our success is not predicated on things we do when we feel like it, uh, when it's convenient or when we want to. Our success is predicated on the things that we do every single day. So the people that create incredibly strong and positive work habits and are consistent with those are going to outperform and outachieve uh, most other people. Uh, and the other is high performers and high achievers have a relentless thirst for development. They are always looking to get an advantage and always mm -hmm. looking to learn, to grow, to develop, to sharpen their sword and master their craft. A friend of mine named Michael Burt, uh, who was a former uh, basketball coach and is now in the business world as well, uh, he coined a term that I love called execution gap. An execution gap is the difference between what we know we're supposed to do and what we actually do. And every one of us has an execution gap. I mean, take physical fitness. Everybody knows what they need to do to work out and to eat right, but how many people actually do that? Uh, that's uh, an execution gap, and we all have it. Well, the highest performers and the highest achievers, and for that matter, the happiest people on the planet, have narrowed their execution gap to almost nothing. They know what they're supposed to do, and they actually do it. And, and to me, that's the big equalizer, um, is what you do in the unseen hours, how, how bad you have the desire to improve and get better. And if you can close that execution gap, there's no reason why you can't be excellent in sales or excellent as a leader if you're willing to work on those skill sets. And then if you take talents that you're born and add it to that, then you're a superstar. Our core business is coaching salespeople. So we are on a daily basis, you know, typically coaching them through some type of call reluctance or creative avoidance or distraction or, you know, lack of confidence, all these various different issues. But at the end of the day, it comes down to doing the things you know you're supposed to do when you don't feel like doing it. So but I am curious on your perspective, if you go, okay, how do you do it? Um, how do you get yourself to do those things you know you're supposed to do when you don't feel like doing it? From an accountability standpoint, I believe that as human beings, whenever the spotlight is off, we're always going to revert back to bad behavior. So from an accountability standpoint, we need to put systems in place that always keep the spotlight on us. So for instance, if I'm looking to change a habit, uh, my I want to start reading for 30 minutes every night before I go to bed. It's in my best interest to share that with as many people as possible, especially the people in my inner circle, my family, my friends, my co close colleagues, even in today's day and age, share it on social media, put it out there and let everyone know that this is a habit that you're trying to establish because now the people that really care about you 
will help hold you accountable. So tomorrow you and I, your chit chat and you say, Hey, Alan, did you do your, re your reading last night? What did you read? Tell me about what book you're into, whatever. But now I'm going to have lots of people holding me accountable. And one of the worst emotions that any of us can ever feel is disappointing somebody else. So when you've put it out there that you're going to change this habit to a lot of people and they're constantly checking in with you and holding you accountable to see if you're doing it, you know, in order to not disappoint them and for me to say, ah, oh, Rory, I didn't read last night. Uh, it's a way to keep that spotlight on you and hold you to the fire while you stick with that habit. And then the beautiful part about habits, uh, you know, research shows that it, it can take as little as 21 days, sometimes as much as six to eight months to groove a new habit, depending on, you know, the depth of the habit, but it's still a finite period of time. So the key is put systems in place to get the people that care about you to hold the spotlight on you for say three weeks to six months, and you'll have formed that new habit. And then you can move on to another habit that you'd like to improve. I love it. Uh, Alan Stein is who you are listening to. And Alan, where do you want people to go if they want to connect with you? You can go to alansteinjr.com. That's A-L-A-N-S-T-E-I-N-J-R.com. And I'm also at Alan Stein Jr. on all social handles. Well, I appreciate it, brother, and appreciate the the uh, the insight here. I like the spotlight analogy a lot. Uh, I think that is great. And uh, so we appreciate you coming on, man. We wish you all the best. Thank you. Likewise. It's an interesting perspective, and that's part of what we have. I feel like we've had this theme of happening where we've got, you know, we've had Navy SEALs come on the show and business leaders and high-performing athletes, and we're really trying to get at and look, you know, like the theme of this, this, you know, mental conditioning and, and getting to peak performance. And it seems like that theme has been going on here with several of the guests. And, and I'm really, I'm really drawing to it because I like, I love that concept of the execution gap that Alan was talking about. It's just the difference between what you know you should do and what you actually do. And that, that is what it comes down to, right? Is there is some space there in each of the different areas of our lives for all of us. It's, and it's often not knowing, at least at a basic level, it's often not knowing what we should do. That's the problem. It's getting ourselves to do it. How to the psychology of how to get yourselves to do the things you know you should be doing even when you don't feel like doing. And I thought it was it was interesting to hear his perspective of how do you take a, an NBA athlete and build them, so to speak, from the ground up and kind of starting with the body and then the skills and then the mind and, and the heart. And what I was thinking about, I was actually, when I went back and I was, I was listening to this in my head, I was processing... How would you do the same thing with like a business person or, I mean, obviously a salesperson is, this is sales is, a, is our core world around Southwestern Consulting and, and thinking about even our coaching clients, like what is the, what's almost like the process that we take them through at a high level if we had to kind of say, okay, this is it. And uh, of course we have, our, our whole methodology centers around something called the habits triangle and the it's it's this concept of what you have is a top producer an ultra performer is made up of three components and each one is one of the different legs of the triangle and the the one of the legs is skills 
And he was talking about that, right? That's the the skills of whatever it is that you are doing. In their case, it's rebounding, it's passing, it's dribbling, it's shooting. In the case of a salesperson, when we talk about skills, it's how to ask for the sale, it's how to answer objections, how to ask for referrals, what you know, presentation skills, how to get past gatekeepers. Those are all the skills that we teach when we are coaching somebody. But only about a third of our curriculum is related to skills. Another third is what we call the systems. So systems is like your your time management and organizing your day and following up with your leads. And it might be related to your CRM and track, tracking your activity, your critical success factors. And, you know, we kind of talk about the, the processes and the workflow that drive your business. Because if you don't have those, you could just be a disorganized mess, even if you're really talented. And then the other third of our triangle is self-motivation. And that is really the the mindset piece. That's really, you know, talking about the mental toughness, the mental conditioning. And it's just sort of interesting that, you know, whether you're talking to a Navy SEAL or you know, people who play professional sports or coach people in professional sports, or you're talking about salespeople, we do the same thing with leaders, right? The, it's the, the same is true. You got systems and you've got, you know, sort of self-motivation, but then you also have, uh, you know, skills. They're just different. It's recruiting skills and running a meeting and how to fire people and, and how to hire people and how to interview and how to train somebody and all of these skills of, of leaders. But that's what we call at Southwestern Consulting as our habits triangle. So we have skills, systems and self-motivation and then in the center of our triangle is habits and habits 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 and i think that's where we're really aligned with what alan is talking about here is you have to create these these daily habits and so the way that our diagram shapes out i know you're listening so on audio just kind of picture a triangle with a circle in it the circle uh you know there, there says habits inside the triangle, but then there's a circle around the outside of the entire diagram, kind of connecting all the points of the triangle, but in a circular shape. And that is accountability. That is accountability is what is what you need to reinforce the skills, the systems, the self-motivation, and ultimately the habits. And that is why, and, and maybe you've never even connected the dots on this, that is why our core business is one-on-one coaching at Southwestern Consulting is because of exactly what he was talking about there, which is it's at the end of the day, it is there is something powerful about not letting other people down and something powerful about having somebody hold you accountable. And you know, basically at Southwestern Consulting, we're like fitness trainers for salespeople and for leaders. We are, we are you know, just like your fitness trainer is cheering you on, teaching you, but also holding you accountable. That is what we're doing. We're like your partner cheering you on and, and holding you accountable. That's, that's our diagram is, you know, we call it the habits triangle and that's how we sort of, we sort of think about it. But that is sort of equal. There's equal parts there. And, and it's, it's intentionally sort of designed that you, it's not that one part is more important than the other. You need to have you need to have great habits in all three areas: skills, systems, and self motivation. You have to have great habits in all three of those areas in order to be a performer. Which is why you need accountability around the outside. It's like the the whole ecosystem is accountability is making sure that you get it done. But I also thought it was kind of interesting when I asked Alan the question 
you know, does it happen all at once or does it happen in sort of a linear fashion? I was sort of surprised that he said they kind of focus on a linear fashion and the, because it's kind of like you have to be doing all the parts, you know, they all kind of fire together. But if I had to describe the the process in a linear fashion, like our habits triangle is, it's an overview of how it all fits together, but it's not necessarily a, a linear sort of step-by-step process that we would take somebody through to become an ultra performer and, and to sort of reach their peak potential in their life. Um, and so I thought, well, gosh, let me see if I can try to parallel for you what we do, the process that we actually take clients through, because I mean, that's another thing that's interesting to get the perspective where you have people like the the world's high performance, highest performing athletes. They all have coaches. They all have coaches and, and, and very often their coaches, they're, they're being coached by people who understand what they do they've 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 done what they do but maybe not even to the level they've done it right like there's there's not a lot of professional coaches who were also prof- the athletes or that were not like in the hall of fame i think there's only i think there's only one maybe two examples of professional coaches in fact maybe somebody can do a research for this and post this at our blog and tell us how many professional athletes or how many Hall of Fame athletes also coached a championship team in one of the major sports? And the uh, I know of one off the top of my head, which is Mike Ditka. But see if you can find any other examples. So there's lots of people who have played the sport. They understand the game, but they're they're coaching other people. Well, I think that's very similar to us. Our coaches happen to be top performers. They were all top salespeople. They have that proven experience, but a lot of times they're coaching salespeople who are in different industries. And so that is, is, you know, just kind of something that we 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 do even though we maybe somebody hasn't been a top performer in the real estate industry they were a top performer in the mortgage industry the insurance industry but it's the same principles that apply so but anyways i wanted to sort of break this down um sequentially and and kind of think through if if we had to do it systematically or sequentially or logically in an order what is the process you know just debriefing that we take people through and I think the very first thing that we do, and he didn't really talk about this. I guess it's kind of inherent, though, to anybody who's pursuing the MBA. But for us, we start with the vision. Is is figuring out okay, what is somebody's what is somebody's vision? What do they want? Right? Like, what is their dream come true? What is their perfect life? What is that? that achievement that they want to check off. And we start with that. And you hear me say this a lot. The amount of our endurance is directly proportionate to the clarity of our vision. The amount of our endurance is directly proportionate to the clarity of our vision. And so we think we believe in vision and we talk about, you know, we, we take people through this process of several different things of creating their own personal vision. Then from there, I think we do talk a lot about mental conditioning. And this is where they don't necessarily happen in this order. They, they, they don't really, they can happen in different orders. It depends on what a person's strengths and weaknesses are. That's part of what we, we believe in and we try to teach leaders to do is not, you don't necessarily train everybody 
the exact same way. Uh, it's it's more like some people are have strengths in one area and weakness in another area, and so you you want to kind of like train according to them. But um, for us, the mental conditioning, what we would refer to as mental conditioning, is positive self talk. And that is a huge part of what we have to dramatically change for people that we're coaching is their self-talk, what they are saying about themselves. And it's incredible how people say, oh yeah, I'm not good at that, or I don't like doing that, or I'm terrible with names, or I don't like asking for referrals, or you know, I don't I don't want to be a top performer. And and just stupid stuff that they say because they've always said it, and yet they don't understand the impact uh, that that is on their programming. And so this goes back to like Mark Devine, the Navy SEAL we had a couple weeks ago, just talking about that it's it's all about mental. It's it's a tr- you want to have a trained mind, a conditioned mind, and that is is by being intentional about what you tell yourself about yourself. And so mental conditioning is huge. And I mean, I I still have affirmations I read every single day. And if I have nerves before I make a big presentation or before a sales call or before leading a meeting, it's like I pull out my affirmations and I read them because it's it's a part of that mental conditioning. So I think you have vision, then self-talk, which would be conditioning. Uh, you know, to a business person, it's not so much running laps and running sprints and doing weights in the business world. It's mental conditioning. It's it's your self-talk. Then the next thing is education. And I think this was a parallel where Alan was talking about skills, right? Okay, now you're gonna learn the fundamentals of how to do a bounce pass and how to how to rebound and how to block out and how to shoot and how to how to flick your wrist and how to follow through. And that's you know, we provide education. It's personal development, it's it's teaching people the skills. This is how you ask for referrals. This is how you close the sale. This is how you run a meeting. This is what you look for on a resume. You know, thinking about leaders, uh, this is how you determine who, uh, this is how you identify potential future leaders. Here's how you create a career path. Here's how you create a compensation plan. I mean, there's all these different things that our team does in terms of the skills that we teach a client, uh, but it's like you have to, you have to actually learn the knowledge and that's about personal development. And, you know, on some level, I know I'm preaching to the choir here because you're listening, you know, to this podcast and hopefully you're plugged into our blogs and our social media and we're giving away a ton of education for for free um and you know we also have various levels of that people pay for books our we have virtual training we have our one-on-one coaching which is core and then you know uh speaking where people bring us in to speak and then consulting so we have a whole full spectrum a continuum of of prices that we make education available starting with free going up to you know tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars uh for very large scale long-term consulting projects um and even millions of dollars with with some clients um but it's education so there's there's vision there's this mental conditioning and then there's education through personal development there's the knowledge acquisition um, then I think the next level, the next thing is, is practice. It's activity. It's doing the thing. It's, it's role playing is at one end of that continuum, but then actually doing it live is another, another one. And that is part of what we do when we coach people. And I was just thinking in my mind, like I was watching the videos when I was preparing for the interview with Alan and then his, his partner, Drew, uh, who we may try to bring Drew on it at some point. I don't know if we'll do that, but, but you know, watching the videos of Drew, who's doing most of the skills work with the actual players and, 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 it's it's they're they're practicing right they're they're actually going through the motions 
And you have to do the same thing in your business. You have to practice. You have to 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 watch somebody do it. Then they have to teach you. They teach you how to do it. Then you watch them do it. Then you do it. Then they instruct you. Then you practice. It's like you're role playing. And I don't know why people in business are such sissies when it comes to role playing. Like what is their their weenies about role playing? It's like they're afraid to do it. What do you think the people do? What do you think NBA players do all day? It's role playing right? They practice, you know, every day, like throughout the year, it's all role-playing. And then there's only this little part of time where you're actually in the game. So it's, we need to kind of get over our fear and our weakness about role-playing, thinking about it's stupid. That is what professional athletes do. It's what Navy SEALs do, right? It's all drills. It's all, um, scenarios it's it's all practice and role playing and so when we're coaching people we do that it's like okay now to, you know let, let's let's write it out let's create the script let's role play it you say it to me i'll say it back to you now go do it let's record it send me your recording let's listen to your recording let's break it down when they said this why did you say that what happened let's watch your video i mean it's 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 a core part of of coaching is actually the activity and the role playing um and then I think the next thing is is schedule, is the routine. It's it's creating routine and then just reinforcing that repetitive nature of this is what you do all day, every day, and getting you on a systematic schedule. And you know, it's one of the most powerful things that you can do for yourself is figure out what does your perfect week look like? What does your ideal week look like? Map out every minute of the day of how you're gonna spend your time. It's the same reason to do a, a financial budget with your money. If you can't spend your money properly on paper first, you're never gonna spend it properly in real life first. It disappears, you buy stupid stuff, you buy things you don't need, you end up getting in debt and doing all this stuff with credit because you don't have a plan. A schedule is just a plan for your time. Just like a just like a budget is a plan for your money, a schedule is a plan for your time. You have to have this this schedule, this this map of how you're going to use your time. And then the last thing is accountability. It is that ongoing reinforcement. And I loved what Alan said, where you put yourself like under the microscope. You know, he called it a spotlight. We, we say, you know, we try not to be in the spotlight. That's talking about ego. But when you, you put yourself under the microscope, you commit publicly, get accountability in your life by telling people what you're going to do because they're going to help make sure you close that execution gap. And you have to have that accountability. You have to have people in your life asking you, you said you were going to do this. Did you do it? If you didn't do it, why not? What was the breakdown and what are we going to do about it? That is where you have to get yourself to and you have to have that accountability. It's how results are created. But if you do these things, right? Like I don't care how big your dream is. Whatever you're sitting there listening going, gosh, okay, how does this apply to my, you know, my dream that I have or I want to I want to break the sales record. I want to build a big team or I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to grow my business. I want to make profits. I want to write a book. I want to be a speaker. I want to uh, you know, whatever it is in your life that your goal is is you sit there and you listen to this. This process is tested and true. You create a vision, you do the mental conditioning through positive self-talk. You do personal development to grow your education. Then you practice through activity. It's getting your activity up, lots of reps, lots of practice, role-playing, and then real-life practice. 
then you and and then you lock down a schedule and then you create the accountability to make sure that machine runs and you do these things and you get that machine running then what happens just think about it for a second what happens if you do all of that the results show up as a byproduct peak performance happens as the 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 trail as the as the wake of doing all these things. The results, you don't create the results, you create the habits and the results show up as a byproduct of the habits. You don't create the results, you create the habits and the results show up as a byproduct of the habits. So that is what we want you to do. We want to encourage you to create great habits. And, you know, hopefully listening to this podcast, engaging with our blog, reading our stuff, you know, for free, um, and it is 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 a good you know that's what we want and then you know we've got varying levels of accountability we'll put you into virtual training hopefully one day we get you into one-on-one coaching so we can be working with you privately but whatever it is in your life this is the process that you that you go through and it's all about you know creating these habits you don't create the results you create the habits and the habits create the results Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.